Hello, and welcome to another episode of a German and an Aussie reveal movie. Now, this week's movie is a pick by Gregor, our European correspondent, and it is The Killer. Yeah, hi. <laughs> I guess this was my uh, turn to jump in. Yeah, The Killer, to give you guys a, a quick synopsis, is about, surprise, a killer played by Michael Fassbender. And it basically starts out with him screwing up a job, an assassination, and then he becomes the hunted. The hunter becomes the hunted without going too much into spoiler territory, but his girlfriend gets attacked then and it becomes personal for him and it basically then takes place in different sceneries. Um, we're going from Paris to Caribbean then we're going to Miami, uh, Louisiana and so on. And it's all basically shown in chapters where Michael Fassbender is uh, fighting against his uh, competitive killer, so to say. Yes, I thought that was very interesting how it was done. Basically, the chapters are named after a particular destination and it's about the assassination in that destination that is a very good summary thank you Gerardo. <laughs> so after our last episode which was a bit all over the place we decided we'd have a more succinct plot synopsis so hopefully that's helped people now gregor was a bit keen on this one and he kept talking about michael fassbender and david fincher who is the director i have no idea who david fincher is but i've since worked out that he did do fight club i love that you admit that on a movie podcast that you had no idea who david fincher is <laughs> Look, that's that's a generational thing i swear that your generation is really oh it's got this you know director and this producer and these these two people are involved Whereas people of my generation are like, yeah, well, what was that like? <laughs> I it's bet true. that David, David Fincher is your age, probably. Let's check David Fincher. So you're 35, right? And um, <laughs> Give or take I, 20 you, years. You don't need to say your age, but he was born 1962. Well, I could be his son. There you go. So I'm not sure that is really a generational thing. I mean... Um, I think he did. He went very big in the 90s, right? I mean, he did seven, yeah, Fight Club, The Game with Michael Douglas. And then later, of course, 2000s. Um, I really liked The Social Network, for example. Uh, Gone Girl, great thriller. Yeah, you must have watched a lot of movies by his. I have, but I didn't just didn't know he was involved. But we're reviewing this one at the moment. And overall, what did you think of this, Gregor? Just a quick angle. <laughs> I quite liked it. I liked especially the beginning and I felt like it was promising to me at least a bit more than it actually held. It became for my taste a bit too conventional towards the second half of the movie, but still a very watchable movie, definitely. And everyone has Netflix. You should definitely give it a watch. What did you think? I thought it had too much going against it for me to like it. I thought it was a bit boring. There's a, a monologue that goes all through it. You definitely have to be in the mood for it. And also it had that other thing that really annoys me, that everyone lives in a fantastic architecturally designed house. And also no one has any lights on, not even in the hospital. Why there were no lights in the hospital either? Like what is going on? Like I know they want everything dark and moody and gloomy and, you know, like it's reflecting his inner turmoil. But there's just a point where someone's got to put a light on. I think you, you, we need to watch more Hallmark movies, you know, like uh, for, for people who don't know that, but it's just typical um, Christmas or holiday season romantic comedies that are on Netflix, like the one with Lindsay Lohan we watched last year, because they yeah, are always the, overlighted. I just find that this is becoming a little bit of a terrible cliche. The first probably half an hour 
is really, really, there's a monologue delivered. And I think you would lose a lot of younger viewers in the first half hour. I think people just would tune out of this because it's pretty heavy going. You have to be a certain sort of movie watcher to like this movie, I think. I feel like this movie hit me totally with the beginning, but I think ideally you have to be between, I would say your age. I mean, I'm going to put it between 40 and 60 because he loves the Smith. I love the Smith um, here. You can hear the German TH there, Smiths. And he does yoga. He's this super pretentious guy who, uh, who is in Paris, beautiful scenery, um, listens to uh, music all the time. You can really see him listening to podcasts as well. I was like, wow, this guy, if I would be a serial killer, I would be this guy. See, I'm not energetic enough to be a serial killer, unfortunately. Um, but You say I that about felt... everything. Don't put yourself down, Jared. You can say, <laughs> do anything you set your head Do you think to. if I really believe in myself, I really could be a serial killer? Do you really think? I could have the face for it. You don't um, live in the US, but uh, otherwise, yeah. yeah. That's a point. That's a point, too. It's slightly controversial that he actually chose the Smiths for a soundtrack. Didn't you think? Do, do you, are you aware of what their controversy is? If you are uh, hinting to that, Morrissey became kind of an asshole <laughs> as he got older, <laughs> like yeah, so he many. Said he, got really, he said all these really right-wing statements, you know, depending on what side you're on. You know, he got slammed pretty heavily for it. I was quite surprised that they picked him you know, the Smiths music, because I remember the Smiths very clearly. They were very much a part of the 80s and the 90s, for sure. You know where I discovered the Smiths? Actually, while I was uh, with you in Australia, I think it was a couple of coincidences. But I remember that uh, every day is like a Sunday became quite big when COVID hit the first time. And my, uh, I told you, like the manager in my company, he was this British guy from Reading, uh, a lovely guy. And uh, he was exactly that generation, like David. No, that's not fair. He's a, he's younger than David Fincher, but he grew up with the Smiths and was mm. more say. And uh, he, he heavily influenced my music taste in Australia, I would say. I listened to a lot of like uh, British music from the 80s and, and 90s. Mm. I think the problem is if, if you refuse to listen to artists who became problematic with older age, there's not a lot of good music left, right? That's true, it's true. So although some friends of mine went to see Paul McCartney in his 70s, here recently and they said he was great they were really surprised how good he was so that's you know like an interesting thing has he been touring recently in australia he's been touring australia they've just released some long lost beatles recording you know what i mean or something as a bit of a cash grab to coincide with the tour It's, it's gone okay i think but a lot of people said he was quite energetic and sounded really good and often it's quite disappointing when you hear been yeah. to see some older people and unfortunately, particularly for women, when they're younger, their voices are quite high and quite soft. And as they get older, they get a bit lower and they lose a lot of their range. It can be quite confronting when you see them when they're older and you remember them when they were younger, when they had a more sort of girlish, sort of higher pitch to their voice. So I went and saw a couple of people and I was like, wow, their voice has really changed. But A colleague of mine just saw Madonna. She was in Copenhagen. Uh, but he said, it was probably not a lot of live singing involved. It was more um, playback. So maybe that's the solution. I did watch a little bit of that on YouTube and stuff like that. And I must say, from a graphic point of view, the setup of the stage and the graphics were amazing. I thought it was really groundbreaking. It was really stripped back. There's a lot of dances and all that sort of stuff. 
but it's a really stripped back show and they've made the electronic part of it and the images they're not just you know screens up the back it's part of the performance it was i thought it was amazing i thought whoever yes. conceived it did a really good job uh, but now we're getting away from things a bit so the killer basically goes around and is very has one of those really horrible robotic personalities where they're very monotone and you know it's all about staying on brand and staying focused and doing what you want and don't uh, improvise follow the yeah, plan it was it was almost as if it was a film that they'd done a first cut of it and then they just released it anyway it seemed to be lacking a lot and i do agree that the story for what it was the story was pretty basic you know like there certainly was no great surprises it would have been more interesting yeah. i felt if at the end perhaps he had turned around oh here comes a potential spoiler a potential spoiler if he had turned around and shot his girlfriend or something you know what i mean just something really unexpected <laughs> okay yeah that that's one possibility yeah but i agree that it was lacking in surprises uh towards the second half i thought look let's do the mo movie pictures here i think why don't they hire just us instead i thought when he screwed up this assassination in the beginning i thought like oh interesting so that's going to be now like there's this meticulous guy neurotic guy monologue always saying like do everything perfect no mistakes and now he screws up and now this kind of starts like a chain reaction of him like suddenly everything goes wrong because he's standing at the airport he's becoming like super nervous has to go inside the bathroom again you really think like okay this is starting something uh, that he he now makes one, mis one mistake after another and suddenly it would be fun to see this perfectionist guy really screwing up then it just becomes this conventional revenge plot without the revenge eventually he comes across the who was that guy the the what was he called the administrator or something the client or claiborne the client so the basically the killer shows up thinks that this guy orchestrated the whole thing called the client but basically and then he asks him and he goes you've no idea why i'm here and the client's going no he goes oh okay so he doesn't kill him. <laughs> like, I was just like, what? You know what I mean? Like, there was a few moments like that. Every now and then I'd think to myself, is this what an assassin would do? You know, but having said that, not being an assassin. Maybe we can uh, we can get an assassin on the show next time to interview him. Or if him. anyone knows an assassin that doesn't want to kill anybody at this particular point, just put them in contact with the show and we'd like to interview them. It'd probably be quite interesting. I see what Fincher was going for with some parts like The Last Client. I feel like he tried to modernize the killer profession and and made it look almost like a stockbroker thing. So basically the, the client then says like, Look, I don't know. I just paid the money. They told me it went wrong. I said, no worries, mistakes happen. But then they said, oh, maybe you should get an extra insurance for 150k more. We can be sure there's no repercussions. And I was like, yeah, okay, if you recommend it, I'll buy it. You know, it's it's a little bit like buying a car or something like that. I, I thought it was quite funny. And, and I think Michael Fassbender in this case just believed him and was like, okay, this guy it's like his first time and he just was buying products and there's no personal beef with him. So I, I like that part. Still, this was kind of the only real surprise. Before I ramble too off too much uh, and before we get too negative, I want to say I enjoyed the movie. I like Fincher's style. I like the color scheme. If you see his other movies like Social Network Gone Girl, it's always this darkish color. So for people who like bright rooms like Geraldo, maybe not the best director. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand the criticism. Every single Netflix production is like, okay, turn the lights off, stick a lamp on, and away we go. I, I can't see this one being a huge success. I can't even see it being a cult thing. 
I think there's so much volume now in terms of entertainment and shows that things don't even have a chance to become cult anymore. I just don't think it's possible. The cycle is so tight. I think this movie will be watched a lot. Like it's in the top 10 here all the time on Netflix and a lot of my colleagues have seen it. But the thing about it is it's on Netflix. It's not too long, which is also something I quite appreciate. I've seen the Killers of the Flower Moon recently. Holy moly, that's like uh, over three hours in the cinema. It's very watchable, you know, it's like um, it's not very oh, it's provocative. Yeah. So but it's easy so, to turn off too. It's easy to play on your phone for 20 minutes. It doesn't move very quickly. It's a classical rewatchable. I, I would say um, David Fincher is probably one of the best directors in, in terms of these movies that you just can watch all the time, like something like Gone Girl or Social Network. It's something I, I wouldn't mind watching for the first time or something if I just stumble over on it. Well, I don't think I could go a second. I really don't. I found it a bit heavy going in at the first watch. Well, it's good we disagree uh, sometime again, right? We were too uh, conformist in the recent episodes, uh, probably. I have, a, by the way, a criticism from the female perspective. Um, yeah. His girlfriend is like half his age or something like that. Let's be honest. <laughs> and, uh, when I know I said it, I was also like, yeah, that's kind of true. I mean, Michael Fassbender, what's he like? 45 or something? Artist's age day. 46. 46, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought he's a bit older than that. Um, I know what you mean, particularly because there is a scene where she's been in hospital and she's obviously been, you know, beaten up and nearly killed. And then the final scene is them in their beautiful architectural home. And she looks like, you know, basically a, a TikTok model with a scar on her forehead. <laughs> like, it was quite, it was a little bit disconcerting, I thought. It was so for someone who'd nearly been killed, she looked awfully glamorous, I thought. I, I agree. But he did say part of his thing was is that you're one of the few or one of the many. And at the end, I think he sort of considered himself one of the as a working assassin. And then when he finally stopped and gave it up and went home to his girlfriend to sit in their beautiful architectural house, um, he was saying, now I'm one of the few. But then the, did you notice that bit at the end, too, that when he said, I'm one of the few, his eye twitched? Did you see that? No, that's probably because we watched the movies too far apart from each other. And I've seen it 10 days ago. But uh, no, that is... Uh, yeah, he basically says, I'm one of the few. And then you see his eye twitch and then it ends. It's kind of an interesting way, I thought, to set it up for another one without, you know, basically... And meanwhile, back in Paris, it, it's a really subtle... I thought it was a nice, subtle way to say that maybe that story as an assassin isn't finished yet. Yeah, I don't know. David Fincher, I think, never makes second parts, but who knows? Look, I think David Fincher was um, in a lot of these scenes also with this guy has this amazing apartment uh, where, you, like you say, where they meet up at the end of the movie and having their cappuccino. And I think he wants to make like a killer, like kind of a high, well-paying expat shop in a way. You know, it's like it's just yeah. a job. It affords you like an amazing lifestyle, I like, guess, a young girlfriend and blah, blah, blah. So I get what he's going for, but I feel like then the the movie needs to be a bit more original in between. You need to play this out more because him fighting another killer looks cool, visually great scene. But I mean, there have been four John Wick movies now. I think we need something more original than just a, a killer fighting other killers. But anyway, oh, and Jared, you know what? Yeah. This time I have actually a celebrity story. Oh, yeah. okay. So I actually met Michael 
I met. I, <laughs> I spotted Michael Fassbender and his beautiful Swedish wife, Alicia Vikander, who is an actress as well, who played, for example, a Tomb Raider in the new adaptation. Um, I saw them in Lisbon in a, sitting in a cafe. Uh, yeah, it was like really funny because I was uh, um, visiting the city with some friends, was walking by this beautiful cafe in the, in the old town. And I was like walking by it and I was like in a movie taking a few steps back and I was like, like peeking and saying to my friends, this is, I think this, this is Michael Fassbender and, and Alicia Vikander. And my friend was like going to the other side of the road to appear less suspicious and was also like slowly walking back and peeking. And it was like, oh my God, you're right. And it was sweet. They were sitting in the middle of the cafe, a lot of people there, um, an elderly woman, which spontaneously I would have said is probably her mother. Finally, I've seen a, a big celebrity as well after. Um, Did you take a photo, Gregor? Did you get to whip your camera out? No, I'm not that kind of. It's in my head. Maybe I should have done it. But on the other hand, I, I feel like it's nice when the people just are like that in public. And then I feel like the people around that should respect that as well. I do have one celebrity story at the coast. At the coast, Gregor. But Did, it you might see be Rebel? Did you go surfing with Rebel Wilson? <laughs> not quite. But I was at the gym and there was a guy working out next to me. And I remember thinking, God, that guy looks familiar. And he had curly, gray curly hair and everything. Now, you're, this is really going back. I don't think many people will recognize the singer, but it was Leo Sayer. Have the Google now, ready friends like me, Leo Sayer. Leo um, Sayer was very big in the 70s and 80s. And it was just odd that now he's just this little middle-aged man that no one was paying any attention to next to me in the gym. And I looked him up. I looked at him and thought, oh, that's Leo Sayer. But then I looked him up on my phone. I thought, yeah, it is. And he does live in northern New South Wales somewhere. So, yeah, it was kind of interesting to see, you know, like a, a pop star from the 70s who's now just a middle-aged dude working out. Well, he wouldn't be a middle-aged dude, be a pensioner now. Like working out at the gym, you know what I mean? It's just a bit strange. Yeah, yeah right. It, I'm not sure if it's a blessing or a curse. Well, the fact that he's still around is probably a bit of a blessing because a lot of them from the 70s aren't. But um, yeah, enough. I guess I guess that's the trajectory of everyone's career, you know what I mean? And with that, isn't that a beautiful ending? Should we give it a rating? Okay, well, we'll give it a Sterner rating. Um, I would give it uh, two and a half Sterner. I would, An average film. I would still give it three and a half Sterne. Um, still very watchable, but disappointment on a high level since it's David Fincher. Okay, well, I guess I, we could leave on this note. I will sing my favourite 80s The Smiths song. Or the chorus of it anyway. Let you, it rip. Please, please, please. <laughs> let me, let me get what I want. Lord knows it would be the first time. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yes, Geraldo. Uh, a suffering, suffering Geraldo. That if that, that didn't bring people to tears or throw their phone away, I don't know what would. Really.